Happy Monday. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Yeah, all righty. Uh, <laughs> News Talk 1110-993-WBT-704-570-1110. And 1-800-WBT-1110, and I am going to do something that I never thought I would do. Well, I don't know if I never thought I would do it. Even the the blind squirrel finds the acorn every now and again, right? The stopped clock, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to agree with... I'm going to agree with Van Jones. But hang on, just hear me out. Hear me out. He said he wrote a very uh, lengthy opinion piece at CNN... He, where he works, CNN.com. And there's a single sentence in there. There's just there's one sentence that I agree with. But I do find myself in agreement with him. I shall explain. This has to do with the, uh, the beating death of Tyree Nichols by Memphis police officers. Um, there have been demonstrations all around uh, America over the weekend. For example, more than 80 people marched in uptown Charlotte uh, over the weekend. Um, This is from the Charlotte Observer story, quoting Melissa Funderburk, a longtime community organizer in Charlotte, saying, quote, do we stand up when blacks or when black kills black? She said, do we stand up when black kills black? It doesn't matter that it was black skin in the blue. That's a new by the way. This is a new uh, phrase that I have never heard before. Black skin in the blue. So police officers. The point is, she says, a mother is crying. It's not okay for them to be killing black men and women. Which I think everybody agrees with, right? I mean, just all things being equal, like if they're innocent people, it's it's not appropriate for uh, police or anybody really to be running around just killing people, right? Man or woman or any of the 72 other genders. I think we can all agree. You don't want state agents running around murdering people. Okay. Now... Sometimes, though, there are circumstances, right? There are circumstances that arise due to individuals' actions, and people then have to respond with deadly force. And those people can be citizens, armed or otherwise, and they can also be law enforcement agents. And I think everybody can probably pretty much agree that if somebody's about to kill you, you do have the right to defend yourself. I mean, aside from the stupid... Uh, argument of why can't they just shoot him in the kneecap shoot the gun out of his hand like uh, aside from stupidity like that i don't think those are actually serious arguments um i think everybody agrees with essentially natural law right that you have the right to defend yourself you have the right to defend your family from someone who means to do you grave and um and serious harm so all of these sort of general ideas i think most of us agree with I'm assuming it, because you know me. I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. I am a giver. For ex- I mean, it's just one example. Uh, and so uh, I don't make people earn my respect. So I believe that most of us, most Americans, because I, I, I don't know the, the sensibilities of other nations and such and, and, uh, and cultures, But I think most Americans agree with these ideas that if somebody's trying to kill you, you can kill them. And that state agents should not be running around murdering people who haven't posed them any threat. And I think this is why there has been universal condemnation of the the beating death of Tyree Nichols by these five cops. I watched the videos. I don't, first off, I, I did not like the way 
on Friday that the videos were hyped as if it was some sort of grand opening or the you know opening night of some blockbuster movie. I thought that was really unseemly. But I think people wanted to see it. The family wanted it released. Transparency required it, right? But I don't like the way it was... I don't like the way a lot of media promoted it. Like, oh, we got a countdown clock and everything, you know. So, yes, I did watch it. I watched it this morning. Uh, the There were, f- uh, what, four videos that they put out? And um, there are some problems with the information and evidence that we have we have been allowed to see so far. For example, we don't know what precipitated the stop. Right? They said the police said it was uh they saw him reckless driving. That's why he got pulled over. But I don't know if I trust the police in this uh situation to tell me what actually happened. They beat a guy to death. I think that kind of undermines your credibility, right? Um, the first video we have is from a cop who arrives at the scene, jumps out of the car, approaches Nichols' vehicle on the passenger side where another officer is already trying to drag him out of the vehicle, saying, you know, get out of the car. And that, uh, the officer whose uh, body cam footage is the first video that Memphis police posted uh, of the initial interaction, there's nothing before that. All we see is the aftermath of, the, of Nichols' car surrounded by cops. He's boxed in, so he can't get away. So w- what exactly happened before that? Was there reckless driving before that? Was he trying to not pull over or something? I've not seen anything about uh, Tyree Nichols' background to indicate that he had you know a long rap sheet, he was considered violent, or anything like that. So what happened before? I understand there's an investigation. Now, and by the way, and I don't ask these questions with some sort of uh, uh, conclusion in mind. I'm not throwing these out there, to, you know, as like a conspiracy theorist does and says, "Oh, what do you think it means?" No, I, I don't know, and and I'm willing to I'm willing to be ignorant for the time being until we get more information from an investigation that then says this is what happened as best as we can determine. So the protests began. And uh, one of the one of the details of this story has has created a bit of cognitive dissonance, and that is that the five officers that beat him to death were all of his same race. They were all black, so five black officers and one black victim. And so this this presents a problem for the essentially Marxists, right, the Black Lives Matter folks, the people who have pushed this narrative that white cops are, you know, hunting down black law-abiding citizens and murdering them in the streets. Um, because the race of the cops undermines that narrative. And with these officers behaving as blatantly, terribly as they did, barbarically as they did, right, you cannot make the case that this was racism. You cannot, well, let me say it this way. You cannot credibly make that case because there are, in fact, some people trying to make this case, which is ridiculous. They're trying to make the case that blue equals white, essentially. Blue is white supremacy. If you wear the blue, if you wear the uniform, that means 
you're advancing white supremacy as well. You are also engaging in racial animus. And this eventually takes us to this argument that Van Jones was making at CNN.com. Van Jones would very much like to have what he said is, uh, here you go. It's time to move to a more nuanced discussion of the way police violence endangers black lives. So he would like to have a more nuanced discussion. But then he, then he immediately erects a wall around what that discussion shall be about, which is the way police violence endangers black lives. See, so he wants a more, quote, nuanced discussion. And why is he advocating that? Well, because this story has essentially blown up the, you know, whites, uh, white cops hunting black civilians. And so now it's black cops who, like, amazingly, uh, are they not aware of the body cams? Are they not aware of all of the cameras all around, like, everywhere that's videotaping everything? And what you see on the camera that it's a, it was a camera that's at the top of, like, a telephone pole or a light pole or something that caught most of the brutality that occurred at the second location. Did you not think this would ever come out? And maybe they maybe they didn't, which in and of itself, that's part of the story of police brutality as well. The idea that you can get away with this stuff, that you could have five cops get away with this stuff. They all thought they could get away with it. Obviously, they wouldn't have done it, right? Um, but after he says he wants to new he wants a nuanced discussion, he then says he wants to limit it to the way police violence endangers black lives. So this is why I suspect he's not actually interested in a nuanced discussion. But I'm going to try. I'm going to try today. Feel free to join in. The traffic stop in question question happened on September uh, Saturday. What am I saying here? I can read. I actually read for a living. I, I swear. The traffic stop in question happened on Saturday, January 7th in Memphis. Tyree Nichols, the driver, was stopped, pulled out of his car, wrestled with police, and then ran. His, uh, he wound up uh, being chased and beaten by police officers with such force that he was sent to the hospital where he died from his injuries a few days later. Memphis Police Chief Serlin C.J. Davis uh, said the video contained acts that defy humanity and a disregard for life. She said, I don't think I've witnessed anything of that nature in my entire career. The district atter- uh, attorney said during the initial altercation, because remember there were there were two scenes, two sites. There was Nichols' car where they dragged him out and they were trying to arrest, or I guess, you know, get him into custody, cuff him and all of that. Uh, and so there was that site, and then he ran, and they caught up with him at the second location, and that's where they put the beating on him and killed him. He eventually died at the hospital from those uh, from those wounds, from his injuries. So during the initial altercation involving several officers, pepper spray was deployed and Nichols ran. He got away, but the officers found him again at another location. At that point, there was an amount of aggression that is unexplainable. After some period of time of waiting around afterwards, he was taken away by ambulance. I heard him call out for his mother, for his mom, and just the disregard for humanity. That's what really pulls at your heartstrings and makes you wonder why was a sense of care and concern for this individual just absent from the situation by all who went to the scene? Police now, uh, according to John Sexton at hotair.com, 
said police have not been able to identify uh, the justification for the traffic stop in the first place. The official reason was reckless driving, but the cameras don't seem to show any reckless driving on Nichols's part. Uh, the police chief says we've looked at cameras, we've looked at body-worn cameras, even if something occurred prior to the stop, we have been unable to substantiate that at this time. So all five of the cops were fired. They were all charged with second-degree murder as well as kidnapping, official misconduct, and official oppression. They've all bailed out, by the way. All of them bailed out. Oh, I mean, it's not like they stormed the U.S. Capitol or something, right? So the first clip that was released by the police is the body cam footage. It appears to show the first part of the encounter. We see the officers pull Nichols out of his car, and about two minutes into the clip, he gets away as police try to tase him. These officers did not go after him, so there's nothing more to that clip. There was another group of officers that tracked him down. Video number two is a pole-mounted camera, and it just so happened to be above at this well-lit intersection, a three-way intersection, but it was at the top, and then you could see somebody is moving the camera. The camera's adjusting to line up what's happening right there under this streetlight where the police cruiser is parked and the cops are already there and they've already got him, um, I want to say subdued, because, right, here's something else I've seen that is usually evident, to me at least, is usually evident in these types of interactions and sometimes it's understandable, justifiable, and sometimes it's not. I don't know what it is in this case. I simply notice it, which is, When they pulled him out of the car initially, there were three cops there trying to get him to submit. And at the second location, there are five cops there trying to get him to submit. If you were trying to submit, do you think it would take three cops to to get you into submission? If you're trying to, do you think it would take five? Now, the other side of that argument is that these are guys like they're tear gassing him. They're spraying him down with that there. And then at the second location, they're they're beating him. And so the natural tendency is to react defensively and to try to protect yourself. And so then that just prompts more escalation of the violence against him. But from what what I view him doing on the video is at a minimal it's you know anti authority it's defiance he's you know he's he's back talking to them like oh come on now what's the you know, like and they don't appreciate that now i'm not saying again this is do not hear as vince coakley says do not hear what i am not saying there is no justification in my mind for what these guys did to him there isn't i i from what i've seen so far if i'm on the jury and i have to make the decision based on what i've seen so far yeah you're guilty but i'm i'm, I'm still I am still open to hear more information. What else is part of the investigation? We shall see. But this is part of what Van Jones suggested should be part of a nuanced discussion, right? The nuanced discussion that includes this element, which I see so often in these types of interactions with law enforcement. There is just this... There's a defiance and, and I don't want to say disobedience, but yes, and there's a resistance. Sometimes justifiable, sometimes not. Either way, it escalates the situation. And the cops 
who I got questions about their level of training. We'll get to that. But they were more than happy to escalate it even further. So everything that Tyree Nichols did, they saw as an excuse to turn up the brutality. So what's the when you get pulled over, what's the what's your objective? For me, it's to get out of it alive. And so I behave accordingly. So the local NAACP leader here in Charlotte, Corinne Mack, while protesting over the weekend, the police beating death of Tyree Nichols down in Memphis, um, she told the protesters, quote, white supremacists taught black people very well. Now we're doing it to our own. See, so even when it's not white people, it's still white people that are responsible. This is not a nuanced discussion, although this is what Van Jones would like to have. As the group prepared to march from the courthouse to police headquarters, Mac cautioned them, we're not going to be breaking any windows, not on my watch. Which, good, that's, that's helpful. Very good. Marching peacefully uh, down the middle of 4th Street, protesters broke out in chants, quote, send those killer cops to jail. The whole damn system is guilty as... Hail. Well, I mean, it says hell, but I'm assuming hail is supposed to rhyme with jail. So you got to say it like, anyway, the next chant was, we want freedom, freedom, all those killer cops. We don't need them, need them. I'm not sure if it's all cops or if it's just the killer cops or whatever. But then you get to the very end of this article, Charlotte Observer's piece uh, by uh, Ames Alexander and Joe Marusak. Marusak. Anyway, um, under the subheadline of Remembering Keith Lamont Scott. In a statement, Charlotte Mayor Vi Lyle said, quote, Our community has not been immune to these issues that this terrible incident once again brings to the forefront. On September 20th, 2016, Keith Lamont Scott was shot and killed by police in the parking lot of an apartment complex near UNC Charlotte. The shooting sparked marches, demonstrations, and violence, as well as the, uh, the political career of one Braxton Winston, now the mayor pro tem. Okay, I just added that last part in there. Because those were the protests where he stripped off his shirt and then held up his fist in front of the cops and somebody took a picture of it and went viral and then he became a city councilman. Yeah. Not mentioned in that helpful little write-up, I mean, aside from the Braxton Winston political career launching, um, is the fact that Keith Lamont Scott, a black man, was shot and killed by a black police officer. Because Keith Lamont Scott had a firearm in his hand. And was smoking weed in his truck when cops showed up to serve a warrant at this apartment complex, right? That was at a bus stop as well. So Keith Lamont Scott is sitting in his car, blazing a doobie, and he's smoking weed, and he's got a gun. One of the uh, one of the officers saw that, and they were like, okay, this guy's sitting near a bus stop, smoking weed, he's got a gun, we're going to go ahead and, and, and talk to him. So they go up to him. He refuses to get out of the car, and then eventually when he does, he gets out and he has the gun, and he won't drop the gun. They keep telling him to drop the gun, and unlike in the Tyree Nichols case, where they're barking out, the cops are barking out all of these conflicting orders and commands that that Nichols could not, he, he could not do. They're, they're screaming at him, show us your hands. Meanwhile, they're holding him by the wrists. 
Stuff like that. Get on the ground. Get on the ground. He's like, I'm already on the ground. And he was already on the ground. But he wasn't on his stomach on the ground. But because the cops are all screaming at him, there's like, there's no way he could listen to and abide by all of the orders being thrown at him. Does this sound familiar, by the way, that kind of situation where a lot of different cops are screaming at somebody to do something and then the person doesn't adhere to one of the commands that one of the screaming cops screams at him and then they kill him? It should. This was the white cops killing the white guy in Arizona. What was it, 2016? Right? Daniel Shaver. Remember this guy? Worked for a pest control company. Was uh, out of town, you know, doing a job or something. And apparently, part of a pest control company, you got you keep a pellet gun. I guess in case you got to shoot rats or something. So he, he had some pellet guns, and so he had met some people down at the pool, husband and wife or something, and they were he started telling them about the pellet guns. So they went up to his hotel room, and he was showing them the pellet guns, and they had the window open. And somebody from down at the pool saw him in the window with the gun. They called police. And, of course, SWAT rolls in heavy, and they start clearing out the room, and they get the first, they get the other couple out, and... Then they got Shaver, and remember, they've got him inching down the hallway on his knees. He's wearing, you know, like athletic shorts that are kind of loose, and he's got, they tell him, you know, put your hands on your head. So he's got his hands on his head, and he's standing there, and they're like, get on your knees. So he gets on his knees, and they're like, now, now come forward. And then they're like, but he's trying to, he's trying to inch forward. But he keeps falling over, and then his shorts get caught on his knees, and so he reaches to pull up his pants. And they said, don't touch your pants, don't touch your waist again. Keep coming. And meanwhile, you got different guys that are yelling at him, and they say, you touch your waist again, and we're going to shoot you. And then they did, and they killed him. White cops, white guy. Nobody cared. There was no nuanced conversations about police brutality after that one. In fact, the guy who shot and killed Shaver... Uh, who had, uh, what was it, tattoos, or maybe he had like an engraving uh, on his scope or something, or or his, or the barrel of his rifle, something like, you know, mess around, find out, kind of something like that. I forget what it was. He, yeah, he walked, acquitted by the jury. Said he thought he was in fear for his life. That's, that's, the, that's the standard, right? He was trying to protect himself. He didn't know if the guy had a gun. And of course, he did not have a gun. The pellet guns were in the hotel room. And by the way, when you got the guy on his knees and his hands are up on his head, could have taken him right there. But you kept on making him crawl forward and telling him to get on his stomach and then crawl forward and hands on his head and crawl forward on your hands and knees. There's conflicting things. And that's what they did to Tyree Nichols. They're all screaming different things at him. But Keith Lamont Scott... That didn't happen. They were saying, drop the gun, 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 and he didn't, and then he eventually raises the gun, and he is shot. And then you had this ridiculous argument. Oh, they should have just tried to wound him. But uh, I appreciate the the callback there to the 2016 uh, CMPD shooting there that was justified, by the way. 71 commands in 13 minutes. That's according to an analysis done by the New York Times that officers gave dozens of contradictory and unachievable orders to Nichols. 
Um, the review of the available footage found cops shouted at least 71 commands during the 13-minute period before they reported over the radio that he was officially in custody. The orders were issued at two different locations. Um, they were often simultaneous and contradictory, which, by the way, to mitigate this from happening, police training now typically calls for a single officer at the scene to issue clear and specific commands. It also requires police officers to respond professionally and proportionally to any perceived act of defiance. And by and I said this earlier, I will reiterate, my viewing of the Tyree Nichols footage indicates that he was being defiant. And this this raises another another nuanced question, and I don't know the answer to it either. But I was informed of this several years ago, and then it was confirmed when I brought it up again, which was there is a belief among particularly the black community that you have a right to resist. That's what they say, that you have a right to resist. And I have a question as to whether or not that escalates things. If that, in fact, is true, which I have been told by several people over the course of several years, that that is true. Cops know it. Uh, People in the black community know it. Black folks know it. They say this stuff. So if that's true, maybe we need to include that in the conversation, right? Hey, how about you don't resist arrest? You don't act in defiance of the orders. The time to argue your case is to the court, not to the cop. And if you act like a jerk to a cop, chances are he could be a way bigger jerk to you. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Yet we are aware that the uh, AM signal apparently has gone down. Don't know why. Uh, Bernie is uh, informing the proper people that need to know that. So if you can't hear us, that's why. Of course, you probably didn't hear me say that either. So, uh, Alrighty, so the New York Times pointing out that over the course of 13 minutes, officers gave Tyree Nichols impossible orders, 71 commands in 13 minutes, and a lot of them, and I noticed this too, they were screaming and yelling at him, and they were saying, you know, show us your hands, while they're holding his hands. They're saying... Uh, uh, get on the ground while he's already on the ground, right? So there's that component, and that's why police train nowadays, right, to say, okay, when you're at the scene, only one person gives the orders. One. Because if you get all these different conflicting orders and somebody complies with, you know, one order but is now in conflict with the other, that then escalates. So that's the first thing. This gets to training. Which brings me to the piece at the New York Post, where at least two of the five Memphis police officers charged with murder in the fatal beating death of Tyree Nichols joined the force after the department had relaxed its hiring requirements. They had relaxed them because they need cops. Why do they need cops? Nobody wants to be cops. Why does anybody want to be cops anymore? Not worth it. Not worth it. They get treated like garbage, right? They get... uh, Uh, They get mass uh, protests against them and stuff, right? I just talked about the Keith Lamont Scott story here in Charlotte, right? Do you think that that, how how the officer who shot Scott in Charlotte, do you think 
that that is a, a that works as a deterrent to recruitment or not? Do you think more people want to say, hey, you know what? I would very much like to be able to go out, confront somebody with a firearm, have them uh, refuse to drop it, have them point it at me, and then I shoot that person so as to not be killed myself, and then I want to be pilloried for that. Do you think that's a... Do you think that's something most people would like to do, especially people who are called to be cops because they want to be the good guy? They want to they want to help serve the community and they they are, you know, mentally and physically equipped to do so. No, they don't want to be the bad guy. They don't want to be the one that everybody hates. They're not going to do the job. So they don't take the job. And now we need more cops. And now we have to relax standards. And now you get people that are coming in that aren't qualified. They're not even meeting the standards that the the BLM folks that wanted to defund and abolish the police. You now you're now getting even lower standards. Do you think that's going to lead to better cops on the beat or or worse? Two of these cops in Memphis had both joined in August of 2020, more than two years after the department dramatically loosened qualifications to become an officer. Um, this was an education thing. Uh, they no longer needed an associate's degree or college a- credit hours to join the force. They needed 54 whatever hours. Um, I'm not really as much interested in that in the college credit hours. At the bottom of the New York Post article, though, it says the department also revealed that it was even offering waivers for people who have been convicted on felony charges. That, to me, is a bigger problem. That, to me, is a bigger problem. You've got people that were convicted for felonies that are now becoming cops. That seems... That seems like a problem. Which brings me to Van Jones. He said... Three decades ago, when four white LAPD officers were videotaped beating Rodney King, the public outcry was heard around the world. In fact, I got arrested for the first time in my life during protests that followed. And I subsequently dedicated my career as a lawyer to helping sue rogue cops close to prison close prisons and reform the criminal justice system. It was a defining moment for the nation and the world. I agree with that. I remember it very vividly as well. By all accounts, Tyree Nichols was a good guy. He was a skateboarder. He's 145 pounder. Looked a uh, I don't know, about six feet or so, thin guy. He, he took pictures on Instagram, loved to go to Starbucks. I cannot explain what happened there. There's no rationalization. There's no justification for what happened to him. How do you explain that? From the King beating to the murder nearly three years ago of George Floyd, American society has often focused on the race of the officers, so often white, as a factor in their deplorable acts of violence. Who, who does that, by the way? Who are the ones focusing on the race of the cops and the victims when there are white cops against black people, black citizens? Why is that? Who does that? How come there, there aren't the... Like, did you know about Daniel Shaver? Did you hear about that case? Was that a, you know, a front-page story? Were people worried about cities getting burned down over that one? No, they weren't. You know why? White cop on white victim. They said... So who exactly is it that is, as he says, as Van Jones says, American society is often focused on the race of the officers. So who is doing that? Who's focusing on the race of the cops? 
He says, but the narrative white cop kills unarmed black man should never have been the sole lens through which we attempted to understand police abuse and misconduct. Oh, well, now he tells us. Now he tells us after, what, four years, almost five years of this, now we find out. Oh, that should never have been the sole lens. I mean, it is still a lens. We're going to look through, totally look through it. It's almost like the goalposts are shifting here. Thank <laughs> you.